Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Can you turn to 1 John with me? 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1, and I know, yes, we've been in 1 John for three weeks now, and yes, we are on verse 1, still. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, turn there, we're going to be looking at the first two verses today. Last week, if you remember, we talked about who Jesus is and the nature of Jesus. We looked at how Jesus is divine, He's from the beginning and with the Father, right? These are in the first two verses of the book. He's divine. And he's man. Right? He was made manifest, verse 2 says. So we see that Jesus is divine and he is man. This week, we're going to look at the same passage, but with a new focus and see how, and you can see at the bottom of the slide, Jesus is our true life. He's divine, he's human. And he is our true life. Are you there? 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let me read them and focus on the concept of life, would you, while we read this. Let's look at the Word of God. That which was from the beginning, that, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and we have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. Verse 2, the life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. We'll get past verse 2 next week. There's so much to look at there. Jesus Christ, our true life. Uh, Pastor Trent mentioned a little bit ago how I, he and I went to a pastor's conference last week and just hearing some incredible sermons and, and talks. And um, one guy had told a story and I just said, wow, that's a, and it was a news article story. So, I mean, it's free game for anybody. And I said, that, there's not a better story that applies to what I'm talking about on Sunday. And so um, let me tell you the story that I was told a few uh, days ago. Has anyone ever heard the story of Lawn chair, Larry. I don't know if that's a yes or no. Let me tell you the story of lawn chair, Larry. Lawn chair, Larry got his name from one particular event in his life. He lived in Los Angeles, and he desired, des- decided one day to f- inflate massive balloons with helium, attach them to a lawn chair, and take up with him a six-pack of beer and a BB gun. And he inflated the balloons so much, there's so many balloons, that he started to go up in the air. And his goal was, as he got anxious, he'd drink a beer. Ease the nerves. And when he'd get too high, he'd take his BB gun and start popping balloons as he needed to level out. There's no chances of any issues going on, right? So as you start getting higher, you shoot a balloon, see how it changes your, and and you should find a happy place to start to just float around. Whenever he's ready to land, we'll just slowly pop more balloons. This is Lawn Chair Larry's plan. Well, to not take a long time in the story, Lawn Chair Larry was 
um, fined $4,000 for um, having obstructed aviation patterns over LAX because he was floating over the airport. Um, He had no idea, though. He had passed out. Um, (laughs) So he's strapped to his lawn chair and um, completely uh, unconscious. When apparently some helicopters got up and managed to somehow safely bring Lawn Chair Larry down to the ground, wake him up, explain what had happened, they asked him, naturally, why would you do this? He responded, I was just tired of sitting around. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty, Lawn Chair Larry. I appreciate Larry's ambition and wanting to just live life, to, to just get out there, and, and he's just sick of just sitting around doing nothing. He wanted to go out and live. I appreciate that ambition. I think we should all have it. I do have to say, though, where he went out and sought to live life was not maybe the best way to go about it. I would even propose to you that today I have a better way of living life and feeling alive than going out and doing what Larry did, okay? I've got a better way for you to go and feel alive. My message to you today is that the word of life, this is just the bottom line, the word of life, and we'll get into what that means. The word of life provides the only true life which this life has to offer. The word of life provides the only true life which this life has to offer. Let's examine this passage here in 1 John. The word of life is introduced to us in verse 1, right? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and we've touched with our hands concerning what? The word of life. So we're introduced to the word of life. And we looked at how last week, really, we know this is talking about Jesus given the four descriptions. Made manifest, from the beginning with God, We know that the word of life is pertaining to Jesus. Have you ever wondered why that, though, is described as the word of life? Like, why that word choice? Why not the fountain of life or the giver of life or the the, the springs of life? Why the word of life? John uses it in his prologue of his gospel, too. We looked at that last week, right? John 1, 1. And I think verse 2. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why the Word? I was reading a commentary this week that I think really helps with that. Dr. Aiken is his name, Dr. Daniel Aiken. And I think he... I think he really helps out with this in his commentary, helping us to understand what this means and what John is trying to draw on in this. What does he mean by the Word of life? He says... And I quote, John wishes to draw attention equally to the word proclaimed and the word as person. The message and the person ultimately cannot be separated. You hear that? John's trying to draw on both the word as message and the word as person. The message and the person simply cannot be separated. I think that's helpful. The word of life. So Jesus is the Word. 
Jesus is the Word. And you might say, okay, but that doesn't make sense, Isaac. I get that, I, that, that, that Jesus is attached to the Word and the message, but to call Him the Word? We have to make sense of that, don't we? Well, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense in their cultural context, but not in ours. There's not a bridge, really, in, the, in that. So the Word, the Word in Greek is logos, Okay? Kiddos, can you help me out? Can you say the word logos? Logos. Yeah, so logos. So this is the Greek word for the word. And what was the understanding at that time in Jesus' time and John's time for the logos? Well, philosophers of their time and of their day believed that the logos was a spirit, a force, which caused all things to be. The Logos was their way of explaining the, the patterns of this world and how the world came about and, and the cause and effect of all things happening. They'd say, oh, well, that's the Logos taking place. It's some kind of spirit, some kind of force which dictated and maneuvered all that takes place in life. They called this cause, this philosophy concept, the Logos, the Word. And John shows up and he says, yeah, 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 there is a Logos. You're right. It's not a spirit though. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is that Logos. Jesus is the Word. And so not only is Jesus the Word and their understanding of what that meant at that time, but also the message of the Gospel is the Word. We know from Acts chapter 4, verse 4, if we turn there, I think we've got it. We read, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So did they hear the person of Jesus? No, this is after Jesus had already died, resurrected, and gone up to be with the Father. So they heard something called the word. What's the message of Jesus? That is that sinners are in need of grace, and that a Savior heard their cries, knew their need, came, lived the life that they couldn't live, died the death they deserved, resurrected to the, be with the Father, giving us hope that we could have that too. This is the message, the Word, that faith in Him would be the only means of having relationship with Him and life everlasting. Both are words. You've got to hear that. Jesus is the Word, and the Gospel is the Word. And John says here about the Word that it's the Word of life. Jesus is the Word that leads to life. And the Gospel is the Word, the only Word, that leads to life. It's the message, the only message that can lead to life. So what else does he have to say about this Word of life, both person and message? Well, that's in verse 2. Let's look at it. What does John have to say about this Word that gives life, both the person and the message? Well, in the first part of verse 2, we can see that the word of life can be experienced. Can be experienced. Do you see that? The life was made manifest. And we've seen it. So this is obviously true about the person. We don't have to do a whole lot of deep thinking to figure that out, right? 
the Word of life was made manifest. We're, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus was made manifest. The person of Jesus was physically seen in a very literal way 2,000 years ago. Think about it. Before Jesus showed up on the scene, how did God reveal Himself to man? How did man see the manifestations of God? Before Jesus, there was natural revelation, right? He revealed Himself naturally, right? Through creation, through strong mountains and vast oceans and expansive heavens. You could see these things and, and in some way see God revealed to us, right? So there's, there's natural ways of God revealing Himself to us. But then there's also special revelation is what we call it. Special revelation where He breathed out the written Word through the prophets to particular people. Special revelation is how God revealed Himself before Jesus as well. And these things, I mean, the Old Testament, it was obviously sufficient to know what you need to know to be saved, right? Moses was a saved man. The prophets were saved men. So, the special revelation that God would give before Jesus came was sufficient to know what you need to know to be saved, but we have to admit, it gives us a very blurry picture, doesn't it, of God until we see His literal face and we see the culmination of how He saves His people in the person of Jesus. But, but when Jesus comes, God is experienced in a whole new way. He, he's talked to. He's encountered. He, he lives life with people, rubbing shoulders with them. Humanity literally met their maker face to face. God had revealed him, himself in a whole new way when Jesus shows up on the scene. And so the word of life can be experienced in this life. He was. And you're like, well, I just was born at the wrong time. <laughs> Why wasn't I born 2,000 years ago when I could experience the word of life in a tangible, manifested way? Well, you still can because the word of life, the gospel message can also be experienced today in a very tangible way. If you don't walk with Jesus, let me talk directly to you. You can experience the word of life today. There's a story in Acts chapter 11 where Peter goes to the Gentiles and starts to reach out to them. And, and uh, for thousands of years, the message of God, Yahweh, was secluded to the people of Israel, the Jews. And when Jesus came and the book of Acts was being written, everything changed. Now, the curtain was torn and the, the Gentiles were let in. And so Peter goes out and he starts to talk to these Gentiles and you can only imagine the Jews saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've had this certain way for a couple thousand years. What do you think you're doing, Peter? Because what they started to see was a whole lot of people, non-Jews, coming to know the word of life. We can see that in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, at the very end of the chapter, we see, when they heard these things, they fell silent. That's the Jews. Peter explaining, guys, it wasn't me. It was just God. God saved them. I didn't do anything. 
And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's a message that they heard, a gospel promise that they received, which led to repentance, which led to life. And we're not talking about a life after you die. Like Pastor Trent said, it can be lived today, right now. Life. Life right now. So if the gospel message can be experienced right now, then the gospel can be seen right now. If you can experience it, you can see it. Track with me here. You might say, how can you see the gospel message? How in the world could you see the gospel message? And I would say, through traces of transformation. When it impacts a person, transforms their life, you can see the gospel message because it makes a radical difference in their life. It's all over the book of Acts, isn't it? The disciples, when they start in the first part of Acts, they're terrified. They're cooped up in a room, not wanting to leave. By the end of it, they're getting martyred left and right, and they're, the people of God are just willing to go out and proclaim the gospel message. You'd say, how can you even see the message? Look at the disciples. How, how is it not there? See, Stephen, he was a normal man, called on by the apostles to be a man that served the church, and he died for his faith in the next chapter. How do you see the gospel message? Traces of transformation, its footprint all over the people of God. Look at the person of Paul. He was Saul killing Christians, then he met Jesus, and then he became the greatest giant of faith since Jesus. How do you see the gospel message? Through traces of transformation. Timothy, he was just a, a kid, Greek, not Jewish. He's converted. You want to talk about a trace of transformation? This guy, a man, was willing to get circumcised halfway through life so that he could hang out with the Jews and that they would take him seriously. That's a trace of transformation. You don't just do that just for anything. It meant something to Timothy. You see the jailer that kept up Paul? He heard Paul and Timothy in jail. He fell on his knees to be saved, and he said he was willing to die. If they left, so be it. You see the gospel through tangible traces of transformation. And i got to say this is really important for you to hear. This is also true about traces of death. If you can see the life that the gospel leaves in people's lives, then you can also see the death lived out in other people's lives that don't know God. You can just see it. You can see it. Just like you can see the life in Paul and Timothy, you can see it in those who aren't walking with God. Jesus said, regarding the Pharisees, they were whitewashed tombs, right? Because they're dead. They're walking tombs. I know a guy in Springfield, he's a corporate man, climbing the ladder, making a lot of money. Someone asked him one time, what do you do in your off time? I'm not making this up. And he said, I don't have that, I just work. And they're like, I mean, i got to ask, like, do you believe in God? He said, I don't have time for religion. I work hard so that my family has time to do religion. 
see traces of death just as well as you see traces of life. So maybe this is you. Maybe you'd say that you're living, but you've never truly known life. Very simply put, I think the Puritan Thomas Goodwin encourages you with the very short quote, life is a great addition to being. Life is a great addition to being. You might just be being today. There's something greater. Can I just tell you, there's something greater than being. Only Jesus and the message about Him can bring that to you. So, the first thing that we see about the word of life in verse 2 is that the word of life can be experienced in this life. The second thing is that the word of life is our hope for eternity in the next life. Track with me. The word of life, two things about it. The word of life can be experienced right now in this life in a very tangible way, and it's the hope for eternity in the next life. Experience it now, hope for eternity with it in the next life. This is what he says in the last part of verse 2. The life was made manifest, tangible, right now. And we've seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you not just life right now, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. This is, of course, talking about Jesus. Clearly, by reading the context, the eternal life was with the Father. He's made manifest to us. Clearly, Jesus is that eternal life. And in His resurrection, we also find our eternal life. Through Jesus, <clears throat> that means His people don't need to fear the inevitable enemy called death. That's because of the person of Jesus. Let me read a, a long passage, but it's, it's worth it. In John chapter 6, verse 47 through 58. Just, just hear this. This is, this is the promise to you, Jesus follower. This is a promise to you, Christian. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes <clears throat> has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. What a glorious truth this is. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 
Jesus is the word of life, which is our hope for eternity and the next life. But also, the gospel message is the word of life, which is our hope for eternity and the next life. I don't think this gets said enough. You have not fully presented the gospel if you stop with the benefits that are here and now. Think on that for a second. I really believe this. I really do. You have not truly presented the gospel to somebody if you stop with the benefits that are here and now. They're good things right now, worth celebrating. Hear them. I'll just give you a few. No guilt from what you're charged with. No shame for what you've done. Forgiveness for mistakes committed. Grace for faults and wrongdoings. The stain and the blemish that you still see in the mirror when you look at yourself are not seen by God. These are glorious Benefits of salvation lived out here and now. Amen? That's amazing. But the full story is that these gifts carry on for endless days and more are added to them after you die. Do you know that after you die, not only you, not even you we'll see the stains, blemishes in the mirror. No one will see the blemishes after you die because they won't exist. Right now, only God doesn't see them because you're washed in the blood of Christ, but after you die and you're in eternity with God's people, you won't even see them. It's amazing. You will enter the glorious presence of your Creator. You will not know or remember pain, shame, guilt, trouble. They'll be foreign concepts. That's why the doctor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said we only get a small part of our salvation in this life. So to share the gospel, the message that brings life, but not mention the eternity of it, is to give the world's biggest cliffhanger. Let me tell you a story. I Maybe I've mentioned before, I went to Ireland some years back and, and uh, went to this place called the Cliffs of Mower. If any of you have ever seen pictures of it, they're just truly majestic and you should look up Cliffs of Mower on Google Images. And they're, they're the kind of cliffs that are like, it's just a straight drop off into rocky and um, unsettled waters, like 200 feet down. And it's just a straight drop off of just rocks. So I went there and the Irish... Tell you what, they're crazy. Because there's no, there's no railing or anything. It's just, you just could just walk right on off. And, um, and I went, and I remember we got off this bus that brought us to, to the part of it, and, and there was this, this family. A couple kids, I think two kids, one teenager, mom and dad. And it is just storming like crazy. But we've already paid for our tickets ahead of time, right? So you didn't know it was going to be raining. Um, a storm can just pop up like that. 
over by the sea. And so you just you already have your tickets. You're going to go. So everyone's wearing rain jackets. And you're just getting pelted in the face with rain. And it's, it's the kind of rain where you can't even see like 20 feet ahead of you. And um, so we're trying to like get close to the edge, but like not too close because you can't really see all that well. And it's just raining sideways. And the sea is just like just white caps everywhere, 200 feet down. And there's no railing. And so it's muddy, slippery. And I remember this kid, he's, I think, like, preteen, teenager. He wants to see the side. He's excited. So he starts running towards it. His mom and dad yelling, hey, slow down, slow down. And he's not really listening. He's just running. And he gets towards this really muddy part. I'm just watching. And then lightning just lit up the sky right when he got to the edge. It just lit up and it got all white all around us. To share the gospel, but not mention the eternity of it. It's like the biggest cliffhanger in the world. It's like just finishing the story right there. What happened to the kid? <laughs> well, I don't know. I made it up, so. We should not believe in a cliffhanger gospel there's better yet to come. We shouldn't believe in a cliffhanger salvation, nor should we proclaim one. Our salvation comes to a climax in eternity. And we have yet to experience it. It's going to be glorious. Today, I, wanna, I want us to celebrate this life that we now have in a very special way by remembering how it was won for us. I'll ask the deacons to come up and uh, begin preparing the elements Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.